You'd probably have a better time picking your nose, but this is how you're choosing to spend your time? Listening to these guys? Well, at least they both love heavy metal. Here are the old men, Adam and Steven. Yes, welcome out to it. This is the Old Man Heal the Clouds podcast, when we get together to talk about the things that matter to us. It is episode number 108. It is June 18th. It is 9 a.m. 9 a.m. <laughs> it's early for you. It's early for me. Uh, we are podcasting live out of Vancouver, British Columbia. My name is Adam, and of course, I'd like to introduce my bearded co-host. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Adam. Good morning. Uh Thank you, thank you. Good morning to you as well. Uh, But before we get into our special guest, you can support our podcast by hitting our website, oldmanhealclouds.com, and subscribing to our podcast. And if you want to help us out, please donate. Head over to oldmanhealclouds.com, buy us a coffee. Maybe we can get some shit, you know, better gear. It's all about the better gear. I mean... We need better gear to do things. My shit's actually working today, which is good. Actually, it was so early when we were setting up. I tried to, why don't I have audio? Oh, I didn't even fucking plug my mic in. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's early for sure when you're forgetting shit like that. So, uh, well, yeah. this good news is I didn't sleep in today. Good. Um, I set a bunch day. of alarms. Yeah. Uh, last week I slept in. I'm like, shit, I'm running 50 minutes behind. I haven't seen your shit yet. Um, but uh, yeah, very, very uh, monumental episode for us. We're 108 episodes in. Since about episode 10, I've been trying to get this guest, Todd Kearns, on our show. He's been busy. You know, he only plays in 100 bands and plays for one of the best guitar players ever. Uh, but he finally agreed to join us. So after months and months of communication, today's the big day. I'm fucking stoked for it yeah this is gonna be a lot of fun i've done a lot of research and and uh listened to some of his music that i wasn't familiar with uh, previously so uh he's got quite a history i mean he goes back over 30 years i think that's how long yeah. he's been in the music biz right and uh so he's uh, i'm sure got a lot of stories for us uh really excited to to chat with him today so let's get into it All uh right. todd Kearns, ladies and gentlemen Owner, operator of ToddKearns.com, a multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, producer, and podcaster. He is most noted for being the bass player and the backup singer in Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Here in Vancouver, we know him for his work in Age of Electric, Static and Stereo, City Sinners, and his solo project. And of course, his new Canadian cover band, Took. He has a star in the BC Entertainment Walk of Fame. After two years of trying to get him on the show, he finally agreed. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Kearns. <laughs> well, hey. I, to be fair, I did agree two years ago. I just took this long to get our schedules to lock up. I mean, you're the busiest <laughs> man in rock, so Ugh, I know. Um, but let's get into it right off the top. So last time I like I like to open interviews of the last time I saw you. Last time I saw you was play for our Toddcast brother, uh, Todd Hancock, at one of, of those two girls' nights. Yeah. Um, so shortly after that, COVID hit and that yes. fucked everything up. So uh being one of the busiest men in rock, did you finally have a break or did you get to relax a little bit? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty surreal, to be honest with you, because um, I do tend to have a, a very solid calendar schedule. So um, when COVID happened, it was literally like, well, initially it was put to me as like probably take a couple weeks and just sort of, you know, I was, and I was like two weeks. OK, I can make that work, you know. Yeah. And it's sort of Tiger King and whatever the hell else was going on at the time. Um, I leaned into it. It took a couple of weeks before that sort of feeling of like, I should be doing something. I should be somewhere. I should be at least returning an email, talking to somebody, but yeah. um, quite the opposite. I kind of leaned pretty heavy into it and really was having, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to call it a good time considering how gnarly that. Oh, it was weird. 
still is weird. Was. It still is weird. But um, but then I, you know, quickly after that, then I, you know, I had friends that were um, you know, I recorded an album called Minefield um with some friends of mine from Ace Fraley's band during that whole that whole break, you know. So it yeah. it it pretty quickly turned into something, you know, hey, well, we're sitting at home. What do you think about this? Sending files around, recording, and so I found a way to make it busy. That's awesome. Before cool. I drove my wife completely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, where are you right now? Where, where's, uh, where are you, where are you joining us from today? We're in Vancouver. So where are you in Vegas? I'm in Vegas. Yeah. This is the, the Vegas abode. Yeah. I've been here. It's shocking to, to admit that I've been here going on 16 years, you know, in oh, some fashion or long. another. I came here in 2003 initially, um, completely unrelated, just kind of hanging out and then realized a ton of my friends had, had relocated here and were working and were actually really prospering. And I was like, you know, and I, you know, I'd been living in Vancouver for 15 years yeah. and, um, you know, it, it's certainly not gotten any cheaper to live there. So, um, and it was, uh, I love Vancouver. Like I still love Vancouver. It really has my heart. And, um, every time I go back, um, it's, you know, all those memories of those clubs and all those yeah. places that we played and all those things that we did, um, are still very, very prominent to me. So, uh, but coming here was just sort of like, um, my intention was always that I would re relocate to Los Angeles because that's where everything was happening. But once I realized that I can treat this as a distant suburb of Los Angeles, it made, it made <laughs> sense, you know, financially it made sense. And, um, you know, uh, it's been really good to me, honestly, it really yeah. has as well. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's been a little strange. There's a great, there's a Neil Diamond song. I am, I said, where he says, he just makes the parables between New York and LA being a New yep. York guy who's living in LA. And there's a great line where he says, um, LA's fine, but it ain't home. New York's home, but it ain't mine no more. And there was definitely that experience where, you know, I would fly back to Vancouver and it'd be like, Oh, thank God I'm home. And then slowly yep. it became this, there was a weird chapter where neither were home. Like I was just this guy like nomad, you know? And then I remember flying into Vegas a couple of times and going like, Oh, it's good to be home. You know, just kind yeah. of thinking like, well, that's weird. And now it is, you know, in a weird way, you know, when you travel as much as I do, it's sort of, oh yeah, shit. you know, just, there's a lot of weirdly familiar places, <laughs> yeah. you know, I get to Los Angeles and I get to uh, places like London, England, you know, and I go like, wow, I can't wait to go to that coffee shop I love or whatever it is. It's, yeah. it's a, uh, it's a very interesting, you know, cause I have a lot of friends who don't travel at all and they would never, it's not for them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you find a difference between playing a show in Vegas and playing a show in Vancouver, or are they kind of the same thing now? Is a show a show? How does that work? Is the difference between a hometown show? Like, what do you consider home now? I think they sound about like from that, what you just said, they sound about the same. So is it, is that a hometown show? Do you enjoy playing a show either or? Yeah. I mean, they're both, uh, I mean, obviously every city, every country has a different um, live experience, like the way people react. Um, yeah, yeah. Some, some places are more reserved. Some places are South America is bananas you know what i mean it's um but uh no it's it's always you know i've i love playing music i'm, I'm playing in this show right now here i guess called um raiding the rock vault and it's you know guys from all these different guys from dio and guys from uh, all kinds of different bands as blas elias from slaughter playing drums and you know and it's all these like friends of mine here in vegas so they kind of put it together and, and people are like you know like some of my friends are like don't you just want to go home and like chill and i go I do. I mean, I chill and it's like I go in a play for two hours a night with some friends of mine and, and it's a blast. It's kind of like being on stage and playing music and all that is 
it's not a job. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, it's really yeah. nice. It's like, yeah. it, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, the, the, a friend of mine st- says it best when he says, you know, the, the two hours or 90 minutes on stage, I would do that for free. It's all the other stuff you got to pay me for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, that's it, like the business behind it and the running the websites and all the promotion and everything behind that. I mean, I guess I'm assuming recording an album is the same kind of feeling. You go in with your buddies re- making, creating music and stuff. I think that's probably probably the, one of the funnest part. And then playing on stage, sharing the, what you created is probably even better than that. Is that pretty much about right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean I've always been very much, um, I, I would argue that I like being on stage more than the actual recording of records and stuff like that, though uh, that is a very close second. You know I mean? Like the idea yeah. of writing and recording and, cr- and creating is, is such a, a wonderful thing, but I'm not going to lie. It's like, I love playing music. It's like, yeah. I love the act of being, you know, sharing in that celebration as it were with just, you know, a bunch of people and having a good time, especially now, like since post COVID, although we're still in the middle of COVID, we, yeah. we like to call it post COVID. Um, I find that, you know, people are hungry. For entertainment hungry yes to, for sure. and just hungry to get out and let their hair down have a good time you know yeah, i mean yeah. i think that we saw it on the slash tour that we did and and it was it was quite joyous you know what i mean and people would say things to us like you guys are playing better than you've ever played and i'd be like i don't know if we are or maybe just people's like heightened sort of like uh excitement about everything was was really adding to that so um I just think that, you know, people are like, and I'm seeing it now here in Vegas when we go and play our local shows and, and yeah. whatnot, people are just really excited to be out and thank God this is back because this show that we're doing here in Vegas has been closed for two, two and a half years like that. So now it's mm-hmm. reopened and it's like, you know, it's embraced. So it's, it's been exciting. It's been fun. Uh, speaking of Vegas, cool. I'm coming to Vegas in November. Can you recommend any uh, hot places, hot spots, best hole in the wall restaurants, best place to get a mocha? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, have you heard of this place starbucks just kidding uh, yeah I, I have uh, no endorsement but right here yeah well, I'll, ne- I'll never forget when i first moved to vancouver and you'd go down to like robson and thurlow and you'd be like there's Google a course. starbucks across, across from a starbucks yeah exactly and it was like you would hear comedians tell this joke like around the world you would hear comedians say i was in vancouver canada and i came out of a starbucks and across the street was a starbucks and i would laugh because i'd go He's not really joking. That's no. 100% a real thing. Um, yeah. Vegas is, you know, and honestly, it's constantly, um, the one thing I always appreciate about Vegas is that they're not precious about anything. Like, <laughs> if, like if you have a, a, a favorite, um, you know, casino or a favorite thing, you, it may not be here when you come back because they might have imploded yeah. it to, to, to build something else. Um, within reason, obviously, I think that there's, it's in a constant state of change. I mean, in the time I've been here, I've seen, you know, the Stardust, the Riviera, the Frontier, all closed on the Strip. Resort World's gone up. Um, this whole, the whole city center thing with Aria and Cosmo, Cosmopolitan and all that, all that's come up. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Hockey arena, football stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's markedly different. When I'm just driving down, dri- driving down the Strip or driving down like the highway or whatever, and I'll be like, it's just there now. Like the, yeah. the, the Death Star, they call the huge... Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders, right? And I'm like, there it is. It's like we're at the time we were like, at the time we were like, where are they going to put this damn thing? You know, they're not small. Football stadiums are gigantic. You're like, there's nowhere to put it. And then you, it's right there. And then the hockey (laughs) and the hockey arena is just, you know, it's just there. Like we, yeah, it's it's surreal watching this city just change, um, in real time like that. So, um, 
in recommending you stuff, it's kind of like there's a it, there's no shortage of things to do, see, okay. eat, drink, whatever you feel like doing. Um, you know, from like you know the 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 most you know things you can tell your friends about, things you cannot tell your friends about. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like yeah. I'm the most boring guy in Las Vegas. I came here, and, <laughs> <laughs> I came here and I got sober and I got real focused on on career stuff. And I, you know, so now I've my I know my reputation is always like, oh, Todd won't come out. He's He's got to go home and, but I'm always working. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, I currently I have a recording project on the go. I have two shows coming up in, in July. I'm doing the show here in Vegas. Yeah. Um, and I got some other fill in things coming up down the line as well. So I'm kind of constantly I wake up and try and have a, an, an idea of what my day looks like and sort of go, Hmm, okay, what should I focus on today? Um, so I, and, and to me, honestly, that is more fun to me than, I mean, it's a weird, maybe it's narcissistic, not even narcissistic, masochistic thing to say that, you know, that, that to me sounds more fun than like, you know, let's go. I mean, w w once you get to a certain, if we're not chasing girls and getting wasted, I don't really understand the idea of going out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly it. You hit the nail yeah, on the head there. Yeah. That's and it's, you know, now, and, for sure. Yeah. And at concerts, you know, uh, last night Slipknot played and I, and we were going to go, but oh, I was right doing, on. I was doing my show, uh, yeah at the Rio here in Vegas. So I kind of like, I just didn't work out, but it's like, you know, stuff like that. I'm always up to go see live music. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a hockey fan? Have you been to T-Mobile arena? What's it like? Many um, times. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. Honestly, yeah. It's uh, yeah, be fun. I, I honestly would love for you guys to go because it is such like my wife, my wife's Canadian, but never was really a, an NHL, you know, goer supporter or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, and I keep saying to her every time we're out of game in Vegas, I go, just so you know, it's not like this anywhere else. It's like, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. I keep, I keep imagining like Detroit or Boston or, you know, one of the old school Canadian hockey towns. Cause in Vegas, it is an event and they make yeah. a spectacle of it that it is really hard not to get caught up in, in the thing, you know? Yeah. And the cool thing as, as an American, uh, for an American, I mean, it must be just surreal to imagine like there are children growing up in Las Vegas now who want to skate. Yeah. Ice skate. <laughs> yeah. Ice skate is what the Americans call it. Um, you know, the whole idea that like in like 20 years from now, it's going to be from Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I'll be like, that kid learned to play hockey in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, it's been really surreal. I mean, we, we, we would come down here, you know, as Canadians. And we, yeah. I remember one time we were recording in Los Angeles and Fitz and I, Brent Fitz, the drummer, Winnipeg, so big hockey, big hockey guy. Oh, we yeah. went down to watch. We said, "Well, let's go get something to eat. Uh, let's go to a sports bar so we can we, we can watch the playoffs." I don't even remember who was, but LA was in the playoffs, so we thought, "Well, then we'll just watch that game because we love hockey." And I walk into the sports bar, and it's like a million screens and no hockey nowhere. Yeah, I know. It was like soccer. I'm like, seriously? I mean, like, yeah. so I had to go to the dude, and I go, I. LA's playing and he finds, <laughs> oh, okay. He puts it on in that corner and we just sat there and watched the game. So it's yeah. kind of, it, it, although I say that, um, obviously hockey has a huge presence down here. You'd be quite surprised. I don't, you're probably not surprised at all. Cause a lot of my friends, guys who grew up in Long Island, guys who grew up in, in even guys who grew up in LA are massively into hockey. Um, mm -hmm. but it was something you had to seek out. You know I mean? Like you didn't just turn on the TV. It's omnipresent in Canada. You're at Boston pizza or some restaurant and it's in, in the corner, they're playing the game. Um, yeah. Here, it's sort of like something you have to seek out um, until the Knights came here. And now with the Knights, and I said to my wife, I, we were in the grocery store one day 
during the first playoffs that they made it, you know, they were they're in the playoffs the first year. Yeah, yeah. And I said, this is so nuts to me because last year, most of these people didn't even know what hockey was. Now the, <laughs> the logo is everywhere. Like every t-shirt, every Amazing. license plate, you know, it's just like, I mean, they, I, I assume that they just believe you get a hockey team and it just absolutely crushes. And you're like, that's not the way this works, you know, watching the Kraken or something like that, kind of trying to break into the game. It's like, that's how it goes. You kind of have to find your legs. The, the Knights came in and it, it could not have been more of a, of a, of a fairy, fairy tale uh, story because they, um, they just crush and um, they had a bit of a rough year last year. So it's been a lot of fun. And it's been, oh, yeah, and no, that's amazing. A lot of my friends are kind of like, what's the deal you're supporting that you know like i grew up in saskatchewan so it was really hard to we 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 were Oilers supporters back then because you know they were the biggest deal in in in, in the nhl yeah, for, yeah. For, for a chunk of time there they were um but i never felt married to a team in terms of you know it's like an, an, an nhl team because we never had an nhl team so we just kind of like i just love the game i like watching yeah. the game i like going to just just the other day i said i i've never been to a a Kings game. I've never gone to this Staples Center to watch a game, and all. We got to do that. Yeah. Or the Lakers. I mean, I, I. That's the interesting thing too. Is there's rumors of a uh, basketball. There's rumors of baseball here in Vegas. So you never know. Now that we've cracked the seal on that, it's bound yeah. to happen. She's yeah. coming. She's coming Excellent. in. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Bruins fan. Um, have been sure. forever. So. Sure. Um, but uh, Bruce Cassidy, the former Bruins coach, is now coach of the of the of the Knights. So that's right. Uh, there's lots of excitement, I think, around that. He is a good coach. I think, I think the Bruins messed up in canning him. That was pretty stupid, but uh, good for Vegas. Yeah, I'm actually. I think it's really important for Vegas. Um, that that was a, a big move. Um, I mean, the Bruins. That's what I love is 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 that sort of original six kind of conversation is such a is such a fun yeah. lean because as a kid the Bruins were like. Um, well, I mean, Bobby Orr and all that, that was like, you know, of course, yeah. pre Gretzky, that kind of like, you know, he was, there were dolls. I don't know if you remember those. They made Bobby Orr dolls and stuff. Yeah. Action figures. That's just, you know. Action figures. How do I not have yes. those? I got a bunch of, like, I look around my, my crazy den of junk and I'm like, how do I not have the Bobby den Orr dolls? junk? Have you looked behind <laughs> you? Look at all the guitars. Well, like- these are the, these are the guitars. So some of this, <laughs> it's some of it's not junk, but there's like giant Batman over there and, and, and another <laughs> And another Batman over there. All this stuff. Oh, there's a, a casual Superman lying around. <laughs> LeBron James is here. Right? It's just just stuff. Oh, that's great. Awesome space by the looks of it. It's cool. Yeah. You have to have a little bat cave. <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that a working studio you're in or no? You know, it is, but it's in a very sort of uh, displaced kind of. What I try to do is is what I, what I end up getting hired for a lot is my voice. So I'm set up for that. I don't really yeah. get too jiggy with the whole, um, I have a partner and he's, he's an amazing engineer and an amazing, uh, he's not my life partner. We're music partners. So he kind of production partners, but he does, um, he does great work and, uh, and he has, he's obsessed with all that stuff. So I let him deal with that. So I just kind of deal with my stuff over here. I can do quite a lot, but I, when I, when I say I love the studio process, I love the studio process in the collaborative process. Like, you know, yes. the idea of like, let's, let's record, we're going to get together. Like the new Slash album we did was live. You know what I mean? Like we went, we went in and we played it uh, live off the floor and it was, um, 
ridiculous, frankly. It was kind of like, you know, we set up the amps in the room with the drums and stuff's bleeding everywhere like it's 1954 or something like that. But it was like, <laughs> but he was like, the, the producer, Dave Cobb, he's just a total maverick when it comes to this kind of stuff. And he's like, hey, man, this is the way the first Black Sabbath album would have been recorded. And I go, well, that's a pretty good record. You know, that's pretty <laughs> yeah, good. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it was all about the energy and the vibe that it was more so about, you know, because in this day and age, things are always swinging one way where everybody's overcorrecting. And then, you know, and then we always kind of do this. And, and Slash is such a, he's like me. We love the studio. But we don't necessarily think that we have to sit there for, you know, six weeks listening to the snare drums. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like enough already. Let's move on. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I want to talk about Slash and maybe we just kind of get into that now. Like, what was sure. the how did you what was the meeting Slash for the first time? Was that cool? Was he one of your heroes? I mean, he's obviously a hack of a guitar player, but you know, <laughs> you know seeing a, a meeting him live for the first time, we're like, holy shit, the hat's real. Like, how did you know, what yeah, was yeah. the first experience of you meeting Slash? You know what's so funny is in 1990 or 91, the age of electric went down to Los Angeles and was doing some showcases at like the Whiskey A Go Go and the Roxy. Sweet. They're both still there. Most of my yeah. stories are always like that club's not there anymore. <laughs> But um, those, those are, two are, yeah. those ones are still, and hopefully they'll yeah. be there for a long time. Um, and we would go to the rainbow every night. Cause we, back in those days, you, they, our friends were like, well, now you have to go out and flyer. And I'm like, what you go on, stand on the strip and you hand yeah. out flyers for like a couple of weeks before you play. And I go, okay. It just sounded like an excuse to go party back then. You could party on the strip and never enter a club. Like you would just <laughs> oh, like stand on the street and it would just be like on, you know what I mean? Like people filing in and out of other clubs. And um, what else was around back then? Because it was, well, the rainbow was still there. Oh, Gazari's was down there. It's now called uh, One Oak. I think they call it One of a Kind is the name of the, it doesn't matter. It's not, Boring. it's not Gazari's <laughs> yeah. anyway, where Van Halen and all those bands played. Um, so we, um, we would go to the rainbow every night. And back then the rainbow was like sitting in Metal Edge magazine. You know, this guy like yeah. that. It would just be every day. You'd be like, whoa, there's so-and-so. And Lemmy was always there. But even back then, Lemmy was always there. Um, and, uh, we were just sitting at this back booth. We call it the November rain booth. Cause in the video in November rain, they're all <laughs> sitting at that booth and, um, slash was sitting in the corner with some girls just hanging out and he gets yeah. up and he comes over. Hey, who are you guys? And we're like, what? Like, we're just like these hicks from Saskatchewan. And he sits down with us. He has no recollection of this. He was, he was like, <laughs> you know, Dean Martin sauced kind of like hanging out. So he has no memory of that. So it was weird to have met him and he was really cool to us and really nice. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we went off in our, in different directions. And then a million years later in 2010, um, Brent Fitz, the drummer got the gig with slash. And at the time I was like, I wasn't like trying to weasel my way into it. Like, how do I get this gig? It was just sort of yeah. like Brent got the gig and he goes, um, uh, and I don't even know. They had some a lineup of guys, and it wasn't working out with the one guy. So I, you know, hey, can you come jam tomorrow? And I go, sure, I'll come jam. I, it wasn't put to me as an audition; it was a jam. Yeah, yeah. But I, I went down there, and it was like I never left. You know, what I mean, like the slash was like, okay. And he literally said to me, like, next week we're doing Jay Lano and a bunch of stuff. And I was like, whoa, oh. whoa, whoa, what? And yeah. like, it was like, yeah, yeah. I just hit hit the ground running. So, and that was twelve years ago. Yeah, sure. to consider, yeah. Four yeah. albums in, four albums in with Slash. 
Yes, plus a bunch of live albums and stuff that kind of came out and DVDs that came out between. But yeah, it's the fourth and album. Live with the Roxy and stuff. It was yeah. Fantastic DVD. Oh, um, you. you have a signature guitar and a signature bass made by Prestige. Uh, what's the model? Uh, Anti-Star 5? Um, and Annie Star and the Annie Star Six. Oh, Annie Star Six is is the guitar version. Yeah. Uh, so neither, you, neither of which are resent, represented here because they're all uh, in the rehearsal spaces and warehouses that I have to actually utilize them. These are the ones that stay home, I guess. Eddie Van Halen. This one never gets played because I'm not qualified to play Eddie Van Halen. It looks amazing. <laughs> so is that yeah. from Eddie himself or no? No, it's the EVH company though. I, you know, it's like. Um, I never met Eddie. I know his son, Wolf. Wolfie's an amazing Wolf, guy. Yeah. And what a talent. But uh, going back to guitars, has Slash played your signature guitar? I gave him one. Yeah. I oh, gave him sweet. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has it. Um, I don't know if he plays it, but uh, <laughs> his, his tech one day calls me. He goes, he goes, dude, I was just going through the guitars and I found your guitar. This is a nice guitar. I go, yeah. thank you. I go, I, I, I really, I'm really proud of it. I mean, we did really well with it in 2000. 17 i don't remember what year it was we we released it and i went over to nam the national association of music merchants or whatever it's called the um, biggest festival music massive festival. Yeah. yeah massive well, not festival but like um gathering for convention of sorts. Yeah. yeah yeah and um we uh we got a platinum award from guitar world magazine you know i was i i was a total nerd dude like when i was a kid <laughs> i would all my friends are looking at cars and skateboards high times <laughs> you know? yep. and i'm over there in the corner like just staring at guitars like um and you know so all although it's funny because although people assume it's like all about the aesthetics and the look of the guitar it's like oh it's it's so much about like when i go up to play a guitar or a bass yeah you know it's sort of like i every time you pick something up you go I love this about this thing, but this kind of, I would change this and, and, or vice versa or this or that or whatever it is. And so when it comes to, to putting something you're going to put your name on, then you, you kind of go, well, I would, here's what I would do. And there's still, it's still, you know, there's still a million things even now where I kind of, you know, would, would not necessarily improve upon, but might kind of like think like, let's do another one, but let's do this. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of, that's, it's it's it was really rewarding to kind of be able to do that and to get some props for it was really cool and did you nerd out on it like choosing the wood for it and like whatever the action is and your pickups and stuff differently or was it all, yeah did they yeah. kind of recommend it or is it all your recommendations this is what i like like emgs or whatever it is yeah there was a fair bit of um back and forth about what do you think of this what do you think of that and again it was based upon like i like the wood from this guitar but i don't like the frets the the, the fretboard from that you know so yeah. it was a great deal of like mahogany here rosewood there you know and that kind of thing and the pickups were you know uh, fairly um you know uh i sort of tend to go the same route but it, it, it always works that way i think it's for me it's pretty much the perfect guitar um, awesome. and, and i've had a lot of love you know from a lot of people about it i've been meaning to try and get those guitars to like somebody like rick nielsen from cheap trick or billy gibbons from from zz top because they're such mm -hmm. like they like odd guitars you know what i mean like and i and that's the thing is i actually quite like odd guitars like that that's a non-reverse firebird over there you can see it oh, hang on i'm not very good at this right. <laughs> no that's working yeah there's a paul stanley Iceman over there and then a flying v beyond that so i'm always big on like wacky shapes 
yeah you know, it's, it's kind of there's another ice man right behind me but oh, um yeah. oh, wow. i like the misfit toys you know where my friends were all trying to seek out that stratocaster i was like look at this weird you know you know yeah, 80s like reverse headstock crazy paint job thing i'm gonna buy this yeah yeah <laughs> uh we're buy types you have any bc rich guitars i do there's actually um there's a bass right behind this white oh yeah there it is yeah it's, it's, the shape. it's a warlock yeah i've had a few um a friend of mine is is a bc rich guy and i'm always sort of uh Again, I'm very specific about what I want to get from them. So yeah. I've heard a rumor that they might put out a Nikki Six because um, uh, he used one on like Shout of the Devil. And if it's that particular bass, I would fall over myself for it because I was a, <laughs> as a kid, I loved that bass. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of one of those guys. I've never really met a guitar I didn't like. I mean, there are certainly guitars that I kind of go, eh, it's not for me. Yeah, that's all right. But but if someone gave it to me, I'd be like uh, Gordy Johnson from uh, Big John, Big uh, Big Sugar once. Big Sugar once said to me, uh, you know, there's a song in every guitar. He doesn't remember saying this to me now, which I think is even funnier. Because <laughs> it was like one of those sort of justifications to your wife of like, you know, yeah, I have a hundred guitars. So I'm going to buy a hundred more because there's a song in every one of them. You there's know? a song in every one of them. <laughs> um, you're primarily a guitar player, but you play bass for Slash. What do you like playing better? Do you find them different? Do you approach them the same way? Do you approach them differently? Obviously, you're doing different things with uh, bass. You're laying, you're slapping the bass, keeping the rhythm down. But with guitar, you're more melodic. So do you like playing one over the other or is it the same kind of idea? Well, it's actually interesting because I actually started on bass and that's oh, shit, a, a, I didn't know a that. lot of people don't know this, but I, you know, when they all say like, he's playing bass, that's so weird. But I, I actually started as a bass player. I um, mean, everybody starts the same way. They pick up an acoustic guitar, learn a few chords. Um, but I got a bass and especially back then, no one wanted to play bass. It seemed like everybody was going to be a drummer or a guitar player or the singer, all this sort of yeah. showboaty type things. And, um, you know, I, I became a bass player and then I became a bass player who could sing. So that was kind of, um, which is all discovered in, you know, is sort of the, uh, who's the least worst singer. <laughs> yeah, the trial, <laughs> trial and error. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just everybody's singing and then everybody goes, just let Todd sing. And um, <laughs> so guys like, you know, I guess Sting or, or Getty or whoever, you know, like the, you know, the idea of playing bass and singing or, or Phil line it from, um thin lizzie or that kind of stuff you know it always seemed kind of cool to me but you know uh when i started to um play with my younger brother john in the age of electric he he picked up the bass in my in my absence like when i went off to do stuff and he became way better at it than me in a lot of ways <laughs> um and then he kind of uh and then we wanted to play together so it was kind of yeah. like well i'll just move into the rhythm guitar paul stanley position and um and then that's sort of what people have sort of seen me as for since then is sort of like lead singer rhythm guitar guy so yeah. um when the slash thing came up actually when i came to vegas i was doing a lot of session stuff and a lot of playing and i was you know doing, always doing a lot of bass anyway on on recordings and stuff like that and i always love playing bass because it really is a different part of your brain and i have quite a few friends who um who are bass players and guitar players and can kind okay. of like but it's something weird about a guitar player sometimes will pick up a bass and it doesn't feel right because he's playing like a guitar player. You yeah. really have to change your brain to some degree. It's pretty natural for me. I'm also I've also never really been interested in being the fastest or the or the you know that kind of showy kind of player. I just want to play songs and play in a band and play um, stuff that complements the song. So I was never really you know I'm not showboaty in in either department, but I I, I just love the 
like the guys like Malcolm Young, uh, kind of guitar playing, and yeah. the Keith Richards and the Pete Townsend. Those are the guys. Yeah. Even the Paul Stanley, uh, like that I kind agree. of like rhythm guitar playing was always what I thought was really cool, you know. Um, and then with bass players, it's always kind of like more of those pocket guys, and it's more about the bass and the drums, just creating this wall of sound, as it were, as opposed to like you know stepping out and bass solo, take one, you know. <laughs> yeah. throwing it back anesthesia pulling teeth uh, if you're just joining us uh, we're talking to Todd Kearns you can find him at toddkearns.com uh, Steve I know you got some questions about uh, Saskatchewan so why don't you get into that well yeah I was going to talk right. about you You mentioned Age of Electric a couple times now so I want to kind of look back to those early days I mean it's hard to believe it's been 30 years already or, or at least 30 years I know and, and I seem to remember it stuck in my head that you were originally called Electric is that, that's correct. is that correct? Yeah, that's see, yeah. that's what I thought, and I remember the video uh, that came out for Aphrodisiac Spot. Yeah, and that's when I that's when I first. I'm from Alberta, um, so I grew up west of Calgary. Um, where Canmore? I know where that is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so a nice little. I don't think I ever played there. there. There was a there was a gig in pretty much every town in in Alberta for Definitely. a while. You know, it for was sure. like it was and, like the 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 land of milk and honey there for a while yeah <laughs> yeah so so i that's what i kind of want to chat about real quick is those early days of clubs and bars and stuff like that because i know you mentioned vancouver and playing here and it was great but even then it had changed so much like it's oh, totally like like the like all of the little dive bars and pubs and or clubs and stuff like that were all attached to hotels back then yeah. at least on the prairies yeah and um like what, so what was it like playing at those places back then compared to, you know, what you're doing now? I mean, obviously bigger stadiums and stuff, but it must it be was, totally different experience. It was a different world. You know, honestly, I think yeah. the, um, when we bring it up now, like Fitz and I will be talking to, you know, whoever, like our, our guitar player and Slash's band is quite a lot younger than us. So, and we'll tell them these stories of how like you'd travel from town to town and there was like a week long gig and you would stay in the hotel and go downstairs to the bar and play. And there was a restaurant attached, usually a strip club. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I, 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 it was just like, it's, you know, whole thing encased in one building. And yeah, some of them were shady, you know, but uh, we mostly, uh, Alberta was a big one. Like we worked a lot in Alberta. Saskatchewan yeah. was mostly Regina, Saskatoon. We did get to Winnipeg, which was, you know, there was multiple gigs in Winnipeg you could do too. Um, eventually we slowly would make our way to like Vancouver and Thunder Bay and Toronto and you know, that kind of stuff. But in those early days, that's the way it was. I mean, you, you could yeah. work, you could work as much as you wanted really, or as much yeah. as, as if they would, would hire you um, just playing these clubs and um, and uh, yeah, you'd play like six nights a week. I was actually trying to do the math on it because they would sometimes they would, the, the gig would be three 50 minute sets, sometimes four 45 minute sets, sometimes four 45 with a 20 minute tag, sometimes three 50 minute sets with a 20 minute tag. It depended on <laughs> how it worked from 10 or 10:30 till two in the morning or whatever it was. And um, yeah, we just an age of electric really financed itself by, you know, we weren't making gazillions of dollars, but we were. First of all, none of us had any homes because we just lived um, no fixed address, just traveling yeah. around in hotels. Yeah. And all the money we made, we just put back into like the band. And we actually, we actually, although we had moved into a circuit that was completely cover, top 40 kind of cover band world, 
we had the audacity to be kind of like, here's one of ours, you know, yeah, and actually building an entire uh, audience on our own music and eventually recording cassette tapes and selling those. And eventually, um, eventually we realized people were just as excited about hearing our stuff as they were anything else. So it was weird to kind of watch that whole thing shift, but we watched it in real time again, how that whole scene died, you know, and it really, when the age of electric moved to Vancouver, it was already dying. Like that whole scene was already going away. The idea of hiring a, uh, this circuit of cover bands, a, you know, a lot of the same names. And a lot of my friends in Calgary who live there are all, a lot of them are guys from bands that would, we all travel together back then. We cross paths all the time and see each other. But um, yeah. So by the time we moved to Vancouver and decided to kind of slide into trying to a real, you know, a real go at being a, an original band, it had kind mm-hmm. of pretty much died. Yeah. I remember two clubs in particular, and I think I saw you for sure at one of them. Uh, well, one was Frankie and Johnny's in Calgary, uh, Center Street, 16th Avenue there. It yep. had a strip club attached to it. Oh, it yeah. A hotel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So that was one. I don't know that I saw you guys there, but I definitely saw you. I think it was a place called Livewire. Yep. Uh, it was down on South Cloud Trail. Trail. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I forget the name of the hotel it was attached to. The Carriage House. The carriage house. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I was just awesome. there, dude. We, we played, yeah. Took played in Calgary oh, right on. and they put us up at the carriage house and we were all having these kind of like flashbacks of like, whoa, because it's been That's so hilarious. It's yeah. been renovated and it's a million times nicer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but we're yeah. like, like, where was the, there was actually a wing of rooms that they would give the band, like the band stays over here in this kind of area and the live wire is not there anymore. So whatever's out back. Yeah. It looks like it might be just some sort of storage area now or something. But um, <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of yeah. time in those buildings, a lot of time, places like the Live yeah. Wire. We were pretty much like a house band, the Live Wire. And it's such a funny thing to consider because there was a time where we were just some kids from Saskatchewan who would come out and play. And you hope that these places will, will have you. You hope they'll yeah. get you back. You hope that you can keep this kind of happening. And then you sort of end up being like one of the biggest bands on the circuit. And, um, you know, it happens fairly gradually. I think we were all pretty good at keeping our egos in check about that kind of stuff. I hope. <laughs> I'm sure there's uh, I'm sure there's opposing stories, but um, <laughs> we ended up um, uh, you know, and then like I say, it was like it was a really cool time. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're saying that there's a lot of um, a lot of things about it we enjoyed, but then once in a while you'd be in the Paw Manitoba for a week. You know, they'd send you up there and freezing cold and <laughs> oh shit. And, uh, but you know, it was part of the, part of the circuit. You'd go up and you play and, and, and it was, uh, it was fun. We had a blast. I mean, we really cut our teeth. It's why in a lot of ways I've never really had stage fright because I was always on stage for three sets a night, four sets a night. And, um, so when the idea of kind of stepping into a, the next level of, you know, your career, it's kind of like, well, the stage part's easy. (laughs) The playing music in front of people part's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like you had a pretty good following from what I remember. I was there a couple times, I'm sure. One of them might have even been a New Year's Eve show, I think, uh, at Livewire. Yep, can't I remember, remember that. For sure. Again, a long I think time we did ago, a few of those. So, I can't remember. Yeah. So you would show up and again, you would see all the same people. And uh, so so again, you guys were already quite successful on that circuit. So and, and it's good you were able to grow from there. 
I always, so I always awesome. wondered. You've done I always wondered things. did those people, did those people have jobs? Because they would be like, you know, <laughs> good... people would come like six nights yeah. a week, and I'd be like till like two a.m. like just rocking hard, and I'd be like, do yeah. people have to get up for like jobs tomorrow? <laughs> we we're not. Yeah, we're like yeah. sleeping until eleven, twelve, and then you know, and, but they are these people would show up day after day after day. It was like, well, what a, what a cool time that was to imagine like even now to imagine like to, at any given night we can go down and watch a band. Um, you know, and watch them five nights a week if we wanted to. If you really like that band, uh, you could see them that much. Yeah, cool. Now that's awesome. Uh, Ty, I want to ask you about your nickname, Damn It. So I've never actually heard the story out of your mouth. I've heard origin stories on how it came to that way. But how did you get Todd Dammit Kearns? Where did that come from? I love it. Origin story. It's a full Marvel experience. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's um, lore. <laughs> it's lore, yeah. No, it's funny because, you know, Todd Dammit, you know, rhymes with God damn it. So it's, you know, the, as a kid, you know, it was a, a kind of a gag and it was sort of based upon the idea of all the punk rock bands like Johnny Rotten or Sid Vicious or, or Joey Shithead from DOA, you know, and everybody had to have some wacky thing. So that was kind of a thing that kind of was giggled about. Um, yeah. It didn't really hang around that much. It was just sort of something that people would say, Toddzilla, that was another one, stuff oh. like that. Yeah. <laughs> And then when I came to Vegas, you know, we, we was kind of the, the really interesting thing about being in Vegas was was coming down, having this whole history of what I had, you know, been a part of in Canada, and then just coming here as this some Todd guy. You know, you're like, you, yeah. it's you really have to kind of, you know, it wasn't a whole thing of having to prove yourself, but you really, you know, you're stepping into it. No, you have no one has any back story on who you are. Yeah. They come and see you play, and you have to kind of deliver. So, so we just as a gag when we put together this thing called the sin city sinners myself uh, brent muscat from faster pussycat asked me do you want to go to europe we're going to do a run with faster pussycat and i go yeah, yeah it sounds like fun I've, I've never been to europe at that time which is shocking to imagine and uh, i go yeah of course and we went over and did that and then we said we get back to vegas let's put together a fun band and play over at this place called the dive bar we used to we used to play shows at which was literally a dive bar <laughs> and um we'll do it on tuesday because then i'll the cool thing about vegas is all these musicians in town working and in, in all these multiple shows still to this day it's that way you know what i mean um so like a tuesday or a monday is kind of cool because it's they, they have a thing here called monday's dark and that means okay. like everybody's dark meaning their, their show is not working that night so they have a, a night where they get together and they play and this was sort of like the punk rock gross bar version of that where you kind of we would get all our friends to just come and they would, they would show up on a Tuesday. It started off very, very, you know, very quickly. It kind of took off to become like a thing. And I would just call myself Todd, Todd, damn it. That was a gag. Brent Muscat, you know, I'm Todd, damn it. Good night. And then <laughs> Vinnie Paul from Pantera used to, God rest his soul would hang out all the time. And he loved it. He didn't even know who Todd Kearns was. He was like, he would scream damn it across the casinos and I'd, <laughs> oh, Vinny's here. Um, but uh, you know, it really kind of caught on down here. So it was weird when it wasn't until slash started calling me that. Yeah. You know, he goes, Todd motherfucking damn it. Kearns or whatever he would say. Like, you know, yeah. what and then I bought, I got a t-shirt. A friend of mine gave me a t-shirt for my birthday and it just said, damn it. And I wore it on this DVD we shot back in 2011 with slash in England and um, people started going like, hey, where do I get that shirt? And I go, well, this is, this is the only shirt. And then uh, we did a run of shirts and then it sort of became a thing. And now it's, you know, there's coffee and shirts and it's it's such a strange thing to to be a part of. I mean, I, I very much still 
I always say like, I just want to play music. I'm not really yeah. all that interested in everything <laughs> else, but um, all the other stuff is it's, it's fun. You know I mean? It's, it's keeps you kind of like uh, keeps you kind of jazz that people seem to, to care. So I, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll just keep doing it until no one cares anymore. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you're going to turn into Gene Simmons on us. Are you? Uh, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. That's a, that's what's so funny about it is it's kind of like, I do have these moments of like, can we put that on this? Will that be kind of dorky? <laughs> yeah. And somebody will always say, well, there's a Gene Simmons casket you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or a kiss casket. I'm sorry. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. There's really no limits. I mean, I guess it's all up to the individual if you don't want to, you know, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't quite think off the top of my head, but I wouldn't put it on. But yeah, I'm sure there's something. Uh, I have beef with your uh, web store. I've been trying to get a damn it Batman shirt or the 1977 shirt or the damn it coffee mug. They're always oh, wow. sold out. So you're doing oh, a good job. Well, thank you. Yeah, I we, we seem to do pretty well. And it seems like when, especially when things like the slash, when the slash cycle kind of fires up, yeah. things get real hot. And then they kind of, you know, they kind of ebb and flow. But yeah, no, it's been it's been really good. I mean, they're, they're, you know, we, we we partner with a company out of Toronto called Agent Royale, and they and they have their own version of it. And um, it's really crazy. It's it's really surreal. I mean, it's That's you know, cool. and it's weird because the music business is so weird these days. As far as like, you know, back in the day, you could make a ton of money off your records, and touring was just kind of like after the fact. Yeah. Now it's now touring is the thing, and yeah. merch, and, merch and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And placement of your songs in movies and TV and video games, yep. especially video games, apparently. So it's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, Vinnie Paul, God rest his soul. Uh, but Taylor Hawkins passed away recently. Uh, do you have any Taylor Hawkins stories? Have you met him? I mean, you two are considered the nicest two in rock. So have you met him? <laughs> have, have you met Dave Grohl for that matter? What's uh, I have actually, yeah. okay. Dave, Dave actually came to... We did this thing in 2010 called the Golden Gods Awards, and it was like this thing for Revolver Magazine. They put it yeah. on the, the Nokia here or in Los Angeles, and and it would be like um, I'm trying to think. Well, Lemmy Slash had yep. just released his solo album, so in, in the solo album had Iggy Pop, Lemmy, Kid Rock, Chris Cornell, Miles Kennedy, Fergie, a whole bunch of different singers. Yeah, that was the first one, right? Yeah, the first yep. one. So so we were out supporting that. Um, so we played at this. Uh, we played the gig and Lenny got up and, and, and was going to do uh, Dr. Alibi as a song that, that we did together. So he got up and did that. And then Grohl came down and they were going to do Ace of Spades. And I was nice. like, that that's the coolest thing ever. So Dave hung yeah. out all day and um, he was the coolest. He was like the coolest guy. I mean, I, that's really the only time we've hung out with him. We, you know, we kind of cross paths in, in one way or another but he really is as cool as you think he is the yeah. taylor story goes a lot deeper because taylor was the drummer for sass jordan i don't know if you guys if you guys ever knew that but yeah uh back in the yeah, 90s the, yeah yeah back in the 90s age of electric was opening a whole tour with sass and taylor was the drummer and he was you know he was lovely he was young like us and he he loved i always say specifically i remember jane's addiction the police and queen were the three bands he just was obsessed with. And he would get up, we would be sound checking and he would get up, he'd pull the mic stand apart. So it was like Freddie Mercury's and we would, we just jammed queen songs, you know? Sweet. And uh, we had a blast. We, we really hung out a lot together and then uh, we kept in touch. And then I remember him saying like, he, he he called me one time and he goes, me, me and Nick Lashley, the guitar player are, are thinking about or, or trying out for this, this Canadian girl, Alanis Morissette 
And at the time, all we knew was Alanis was like a pop singer, like Debbie Gibson or something. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> I go, I go like the pop singer. I was like, so confused by it. Like, I probably didn't. I'm, I'm sure I probably was like, oh, okay, well, knock yourself out or good luck with that. <laughs> but, you know, like, and then all of a sudden they were coming through Vancouver and it was like already a big deal, you know, like when the, in the very early stages of it. And then it was like, and then it went on to be gargantuan. Yeah. So we lost track of each other. And then, you know, and then the Foo Fighters and all kind of stuff. And weirdly enough, not that long ago, a few years back, we were rehearsing and Taylor has chevy metal and a couple things that he does his fun side bands that he was doing and he was just he just comes over and he goes hey i'm taylor and i go hey i'm todd and i go and i told him what i just told you i said yeah we toured together back and and he just looks at me like that was my first tour ever i go i know i was there <laughs> yeah. we, were all, we were all kids and he goes like wow and he kept like going back to and then he come back over and he go was your brother in the band i go he was and yeah. he goes wow he was like yeah. and he, he, he goes, slash we went on a on my very first tour, we were on tour together. And so I was like, uh-huh. Kind of like doing whatever, you know, <laughs> flash mode, you know, whatever. And, I, and then uh, I posted on, oh, and when Taylor passed, I, po I posted a picture of him. Uh, we were just jamming because Miles wasn't there yet. So we were just playing. And uh, Taylor jumped up and sang uh, Night Train with us. Nice. And we got a picture of um, us playing with Taylor singing. And I posted Slash featuring Taylor Hawkins and the conspirators instead of Miles <laughs> Kennedy. Uh, and I remember people being like, what? Like Taylor's replacing Miles Kennedy. I go, yeah, the drummer for the Foo Fighters is going to sing in our band. <laughs> so silly. But yeah, it was, it was really nice to be able to make that connection again. Cause I always loved the guy and it's, it's a real shock. Even now, yeah. I mean, we're still, it, it, when it came up, like literally we were sitting on the bus driving on this tour. We were driving from one place to the other and it came up and we were like, Everybody just was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Was so deeply sort of taken aback by how, because he was, you know, just a lovely guy and just an amazing talent and uh, such a shame. You know, yeah. I, yeah, I, I really hope his family's okay. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty sad. Yep. They're right. doing these shows now, as you know, and, and I'm very curious yeah. to see because the Foo Fighters are playing, and I go, what does that mean? With who? You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think they yeah, released the. Drums? I think they've released the guests, and I can't remember who some of them are. But oh, uh, it's Getty, everyone. Getty, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson are at those shows because there's Stuart London Copeland. and LA. Yeah, yeah. So there's some Wolfgang. Really cool Wolfgang. Oh, yeah, Wolfgang. Wolfgang. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be cool to see. I'm sure that'd tickets be, be pretty show. expensive, but but that'd be yeah. Fun. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Cool. Um, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Todd Kearns. You can find him at toddkearns.com. Todd, I want to talk about Tuke. Two sure, is your, please. Uh, yes, sweet please, yeah. fucking cover band. And we're talking deep cuts of songs, which is like, it's no Enter Sandman's, it's no whatever it is. But we talk <laughs> about, you know, you, uh, you do Ironic by Linus Morissette. You do Remember by Brian Adams. I mean, you do, uh, what's the other one I love? Uh, Go for a Soda, Kim Mitchell. Like, these are all deep cuts. These are not the classic songs. So uh, you, you're in it with Brent. Uh, who you play with Slash. So what's the difference? What's the difference between playing in this cover band compared to playing to Slash? And you know, do you enjoy it more? Because they're all the shit you grew up with. You know what I mean? It's such a, a bizarre thing because we started doing it as a um like there were some charity gigs that were happening that friends of ours were putting on. It was just kind of like they just wanted to put something together. Can you guys come up and play and jam or whatever? And I was like, Yeah, of course. And then I think Brent Fitz had the idea of like, what if we just made it all Canadian music? And I was like, of course, yeah, that's, that's as soon as he said it, it was like, well, it has to be now. 
And it's just sort of remained, you know, and it sort of, it of course got refined because initially we had like spider from uh, street hard and lover boy, the bass player. It was, um, that guy's like the most underrated player on the entire planet. Um, and a bunch of other guys. We had um, John Angus from the trues play with us. Um, Cor- but Corey Churko had always sort of been in and out. And Corey, I've known since we were kids, uh, he plays with Shania Twain, but he's from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And uh, he's the guitar player. He still plays with Shania Twain. He's been there like 20 some years with Shania Twain. Wow. Good for um, he's currently playing with her here in Vegas. But um, <laughs> so we, um, we just sort of started to kind of like refine the idea and thought like, wouldn't it be cool to record? Like, cause we, we, we're really familiar with prairie music even more so like bands like the queen city kids from regina or street heart or harlequin yeah those kind of groups that we grew up with were really in a lot of ways the most important to us because they were you know they're from around here you know and um so i remember just driving around we were in la in Corey's car and he was listening to queen city kids and i just thought how surreal it was to be listening to this music that i'd driven on grid roads in saskatchewan and i'm like driving around one of the biggest cities in the world and I'm looking around at other cars going, these, none of these people have ever heard this song before. How could they know this yeah. song? Yeah. And then I, I remember saying to Corey, wouldn't it be cool to like, like to record a version of this so that, you know, people in South America or Australia or Japan could hear this. And, and, and that's basically what happened. Like we eventually recorded those versions of those songs and people in Japan and Australia and South America would be like, this is my favorite song. I'd never heard it before. And I yeah. go, wow, it's such a trip to think that, you know, because they're such great songs, it just they didn't get the chance to 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 see what they could have seen. Um, yeah. And then from there, you know, it just sort of like it's interesting how like it started as a fun thing to do. Recording it was a fun thing to do, and then it start it's continued. Like this summer, we're, we're we got a bunch of work just coming up based on the idea of like this fun thing that we we do. You know, it's like it's yeah. like it's not really a uh, uh, a you know grueling hard thing it's like we just love these songs and we get up and play fantasy by aldo nova and honeymoon suite and you know all this stuff that we love and um uh it's it's a blast i'm looking forward to doing to doing it uh, a lot when we get to get, do it in a couple weeks canada day yeah. dauphin manitoba <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I saw a bunch of tours in the prairies um yeah there's a couple other dates and stuff there um, that's where it's yeah. The yeah. prairies, the prairies embraced Prairies. us big time. Sure. So I yeah. have never been back to the prairies as much since Tuke got back together. Like I moved <laughs> away, you know, after high school, and and of course I played when I played there. But you know, now we're there. It seems all the time. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I love the, the the label that you released those two albums on K Tail Records. K A <laughs> is in Canada. A Canada. Yeah. From yeah. Canada. Yeah, uh, so exactly. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, there's some amazing covers on there. I know, I know, you've talked about a couple of them already, but uh, like Aldo Nova, like you're covering fantasy, and I remember cranking that tune. Everybody would crank that song in the parking lot at high school uh, when it came <laughs> out. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm that old. That I was. Yeah, uh, no, I was the same I still, way. But I still remember that, and uh, just just such a great song. I was able to see that first tour of Aldo Nova. I think he was backing up uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Saw them at Max Bell Arena really? in Calgary. Wow. Yeah, so that was uh, that was fun. Anyways, that's that's a fantastic cover. I love Saga uh, because I I think that's was that an odd cover for you to do because um, it's a different it's a different song. Uh, they're not from the prairies. Not that no that matters because not everybody is. But uh, but was that a different one for you to like? Well, I felt like it. Song? 
it felt like a good showcase for Corey because Corey's such a, yeah. a monster guitar player. I always loved okay. that song. You know, it was kind of um, I don't know. We we initially started with just like a just everybody had their big list and we just kind of looked for the things that kind of coincided, you know, and, um, okay. and some stuff like, you know, if, if one guy wasn't really that into it or whatever, it was kind of like, yeah, but I think it'll work. You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure how, how aware Corey was of crying over you by platinum blonde, but I just kind of thought, I think, <laughs> I think the girls are going to like that one. We should do that one, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. I just kind of felt like it was fun to kind of really find this weird cross section. Cause a friend of mine once yeah. pointed out, it's not just regional as in Canadian. It's also like a particular moment in time. Like there's about yes. a five year kind of period yeah. where we all kind of focus on like, you know, that chunk of songs, you know, I mean, there's always going to be stuff like roller by April wine or working for the weekend by lover boy. Those songs are even yeah. go for a, so to a, to a certain degree, yeah. some of those songs saga to some degree as well, that will translate far beyond Canadian, the Canadian borders. You know what I mean? Like we're, yeah, you know, Rush, obviously, st stuff like that, people will know. But there's a lot of stuff on those recordings that are, like, specifically Canadian. And sometimes yeah. specifically, but it's also not even specifically Canadian. It's also specifically generational. Like, you have to be of a certain yeah. age to really know those songs. I mean, I, I know young kids probably hear Going for a Soda or Go for a Soda on in some context, you know, as a kid. But it's all over but, TikTok. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's one song in particular that is not on the albums that you recorded or at least released more recently, and that's the Sheriff song, uh, When I'm With You. Like that, um, I was just also amazed a that big, you, that's that a you big, covered that. It's a big yeah. crossover too, that song. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, for sure. But it's just like you mentioned that now, or you talk to people about who that band was, and nobody would know. And no. uh, I mean, I remember I I didn't, I don't have them here, but I have their, their two albums. I don't know if they released more than that or not, but... I don't think um, so. But well, yeah, the thing you have to keep in mind, the they here. they were already gone when that song became a massive hit. Like, it, for whatever reason, like five yeah. years later or something, that song... So I remember being in off. Los Angeles back then for something, and that song was, like, number one or something like that. I go, like, Sheriff, like, the band that broke yeah. up, like, five <laughs> years ago? It yeah. was, like, the weirdest thing that somebody... I think it was in Vegas, oddly enough, that some guy who just started playing that song, he goes, like... He, he remembered when that song had come out and he said, this song should have been a hit. And he goes yeah. like, yeah. he just started spinning it and it kind of caught on and it did this whole, I mean, that doesn't really happen anymore. <sighs> Barely happened back then, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a massive, massive song. It's uh, yeah. and it's again, one of those ones that's, you know, important to all of us. They all sort of have the same uh, taste in music as far as rock and roll goes, especially Canadian rock and roll. He, yeah. You know, it was, a, it was a very special time in, in, I mean, even into the nineties, to be honest. I mean, there's kids that, you know, well, a great story is uh, one time we were at much music and David Bowie was coming in after us. Sweet. And I, and I was tripping, like always been like <laughs> obsessed with Bowie. And as I'm leaving, you know, there's a gaggle of people and Bowie's sort of over there. And I was like, Whoa, you know, cause you're standing like five, six feet away from him. And then you just kind of, we just kind of left and um, I'm setting out back. And Age of Electric was, you know, at, at its peak in 97, 98. So, yeah. so I'm out back and there's kids and we're signing. And David Bowie comes out of much music after doing whatever he was doing, gets in a van and the van drives by. And I can see him kind of looking out the window, even though the windows are blacked out. I can see him looking at the window, <laughs> out the window at some guy. Who is this guy? Yeah. Signing autographs. And he just drives by. And I, and I looked at the girl that I was signing, this young girl. I go... David Bowie just looked at me and she goes, 
who? (laughs) And I go, David Bowie. She goes, oh yeah, my mom likes him. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. But it was interesting to see like in the, in the nineties, even Canadian bands, you know, where you would do like edge fest or something like that. And green day and Foo Fighters would be under our lady peace or tea party. You know, I'd be like, there was Canadian music was very important to Canadians. Yeah. I think it still is CanCon baby. All the way. (laughs) I wouldn't have a career otherwise. Oh shit. Don't say that. You wrote some pretty, pretty good songs. Well, thank you. Um, I know our time is money. So uh, I know you got to get going. You got a hundred interviews to go to. So uh, we appreciate the time. So thank you very much for finally joining us. Uh, Tell miles and Brent that we're not idiots and come join our show. (laughs) I will. And um, Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll see you on the road. Hopefully you swing by Vancouver sooner rather than later. And we'll see you with slash or one of your many projects. I really sure. hope so. I, I miss yeah. it very much. So I hope to be up there sooner than later. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for guys. Thanks for joining good us. Hang. Thanks for having us. Right. Thanks for joining. Right. Bye-bye. That was Todd Kearns. You can find everything you need about Todd Kearns at ToddKearns.com. I forgot to ask him about his hair flip. His pat- patented rock star move, hair flip. Hair flip. You know, he has yes. such glorious hair. I, I'm like jealous of that jet black hair yes so am i so am i and looking <laughs> looking back at the old old days like that first video uh age of electric after tcx smile and he, he patented that well i don't know if he patented it patented you know what i mean i don't know if he did that yeah. back then but uh he was he, he had already perfected it by then that's what i'm trying to say yeah he, so. he might be the originator of the hair flip you think so? I I mean, thirty years ago. I mean, that's a that's a that's a bit. Yeah, but no, I think in the head for saying I, I that, think you know, no, I think I think you know. You look back at some of the hair bands in the eighties. I think they probably got that nailed down. Oh, Anyways, so saying he ripped off the hair flip. Well, no, no, I'm not saying he ripped it off, but uh, <laughs> because because again, I think he perfected it. I think that's what yeah, he's that's done. right. Yes. Yep, he bored it, perfected it, and made his own. Oh man, that was a great conversation. Uh, we could talk to him for hours. He's booked for the full day, so thankful we got uh, at least an hour with him. So yeah, that's what counts. That was really cool. Yeah, and thanks, thanks to him for joining us. Uh, so you know, with that being said, we can't top that. So we're just gonna say you can find us wherever you get your podcast from: Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course Google Podcasts. Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Lives Matter. Fuck cancer. Science is real. Continue to get vaccinated, wear your mask, a woman's body is her own fucking business, and please take care of yourself and others, and be kind, okay? Uh, if you like this podcast, make sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform it is you're listening on. If you didn't like this podcast, blame Todd. Thank you very much. <laughs> stay healthy, stay safe. We will talk to you next week. See ya. If you enjoyed anything you just heard and want to fact check it, check out oldmenwhoyellatclouds.com. clouds.com.